0: Following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
1: Hello, Sarah Golding here, producer and wannabe voice actor and writer of some parts of the Monologue Sessions. I set this up with my production company, Quirky Voices, to celebrate the moon landing's 50th anniversary, man. So I do love space very much and the moon. Uh, And I did encourage folks to submit some new writing, and I do love New writing as uh, short monologues to be performed by some of the best and my most favourite of favourite audio drama voice acting chums. So, this is a collection of monologues interspersed with some uh, daft story of me and Tanya Milojevich and her dog Naboo and some Nabu. I always say it wrong. And some <laughs> strange doll called Mister Twinkle Toes, which uh, we journey to the moon in a rocket powered by the words of the monologues. How cool is that? Thanks to Tanya and winning monologue writers Hayden Davis, Danny ellett Faith McQuinn, William J. Mayer, jay Christian ellett Fiona Thrale, Maya Peace, Sarah May Tuson, Emily C. Snyder, Cheyenne Bramwell, Karen Heimdal and Performers, Jordan Cobb, Madison Upton, Lucille Valentine, Erica Sanderson, Fiona Thrale, Cheyenne Bramwell, Brett Maskell Watts. Tanya Molodovic, Karim Cromfley, Angelique Lazarus, and James Oliver. I adore you all. Uh, I hope you do too. Uh, thanks also to the Audioverse team and to you for listening. Uh, please do share this gently entertaining gem and um, watch out for more script writing opportunities with quirky voices. Uh, here are the monologue sessions, part one, two, and three. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the monologue Sessions by Quirky Voices. We're excited to share with you today some monologues inspired by the moon landings of 50 years ago today. And none of this program would be possible without the amazing Patreons for Quirky Voices. So, Alma, Artist Soapbox, Audio Oblivious Productions, Chan Bramwell, Christine, Hazel, Kareem, Karen, Kirsty, Matthew, Michael, Paul, and William. This is for you. For you are legend. Enjoy. Oh, and this awesome music is by Kahlo Zahn. Also legend. Enjoy!
2: arm of sharing winning audio monologues from those who entered and won their words a place on a rocket ship to the moon.
3: Oh, the moon.
2: The moon. Such beauty, such craters.
4: Some say it drives us crazy, but some of us were crazy to begin with, sure. I'm your narrator, Brett. It's a pleasure to meet you.
2: Anyway, to the rocket ship. We join our intrepid heroines, Tanya and Sarah, having a bit of a chat and eating chocolate bravely—oh, so bravely! And they're on their way to the moon for some well-earned rest and peace from the lawnmowers and churning plane traffic and general hubbub. Having built their rocket ship
4: out of old tech and audio plugins and pop shields, and with the rocket's every movement fueled by the speaking of words, they must speak or else use the speech of others to realize their dream of becoming.
3: The, the first, first female, female on the, the moon-y,
1: moon-y, moony Lunar surface, surface ever! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> 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 Pff, loony surface, more like. <laughs> Brett, Brett, you have got an awesome narrator voice. Do you know that?
4: Oh, thank you very much.
1: Hmm. Bye. <gasps> he mooned me. <gasps> Cheek. Well, Cheek's. Uh, bye. Bye.
5: Bye. Screen off. Bye. You're a terrible flirt, Sarah. Just saying. Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think I might put that on my CV. Oh my but god. It's not. It's not flirting. It's. It's just being nice.
5: Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. So here we are, Sarah. You and me, orbiting the Earth, fueled by fourteen slices of moon writings written to celebrate the moon landings that happened. Fifty years ago today. Wow. How old were you then?
1: Ha ha, ha Yeah, that was a bit a, a twinkle in my ma and pa's eye, thank you very much. Although, um, my husband's fifty this year, too. So, October. <laughs> Happy birthday to my man. <laughs> Happy birthday to... No,
5: no, don't
1: sing, Aww. Sarah. i am uh-huh. ukulele.
5: Ah, oh,
1: great. More fuel. <laughs> Why don't you throw it in the... So your hand, your hand tasted like like cheesy cookies. Nice. <laughs> I should um, I should text him if, if I'm going to be away for a few days. But before we before we lose the the signal, who? Um, I've forgotten.
5: Sarah, you're much more drunk, Helen, in real life than I thought you oh, were. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's a compliment. Don't worry.
1: Yeah, I would drink to that, but uh, you won't open the bar yet.
5: Not till we're closer. We need to name it first, anyway.
1: Aha! Uh-huh. Okay, well, I name this bar.
5: You name this bar Space Bar? <laughs> yes! Oh <laughs> my god. Not sure I'm gonna last three days with you like this.
1: Oh, come yeah. on! We have a lovely time! Um, we, We're slowing down, you need some fuel. I think you should read the first one. Get the fuel really burning with the, the first monologue of joy. M- me? Yeah. Well, who else am I gonna ask? Nabu, the, the Boo Bearer? Your dog. Pork, pork. <laughs> no, lovely, but I, I can't believe you bought him. I mean, where's he gonna do a. How's about my mascot,
5: Mr. Twinkletoes? Hello, Mr. Twinkletoes. Hmm. Hello, Danya. How can I help you? By not saying another word for the moment, because you are quite creepy. And I don't know why I actually brought you.
1: No. No, he's... He's very creepy, Tanya. Yeah. Thank you. I like being
6: creepy. I get more creepy if I am
1: ignored. Yeah. I suppose we could ask him to. But, uh, actually, no, no. Just put him away somewhere. It's a strange... Staring eyes on that hairy robot thing. Did you really have him in your cot when you were little? Just, just staring and and hairy and uh huh. I
6: give the best
1: cuddles. Oh my god, it's creepy. Okay, Twinkle Toes. Shh. With um. Yeah, Tanya, you go on. You start before, um, before we lose the light completely to, to venture on to the dark side of the moon. I love that album. Okay,
5: well, here goes something. Moon by, by Hayden Davis. Davis. Narrated, Narrated by Tanya, Tanya Milovich. I walk along a long, lonely, dark alleyway. My senses are alive. I'm a little bit scared. Two attacks in my past flitter across my mind like phantoms. Was that a noise behind me? I spin around. Nothing. No one. Just... The dark. Dead. Silent night. I return to my journey. I look to the sky. Dark clouds. Barely discernible from the starless dark sky float across my view making me feel a pang of vertigo i look straight ahead shaking off the feelings of dread and sickness up ahead i suddenly see a gleam of light a narrow silvery beam cutting across the alleyway about 100 yards ahead illuminating the rough ground part of the bare rotting fence on one side and tangled undergrowth on the other. The monochrome view that greets me, albeit a welcome change from the cloying dark, is nevertheless unsettling, and I hear my breath catch in the back of my throat. My pace slows as my heart rate quickens noticeably, and once again, I look behind me. This time, This time, a shadow of a figure is barely visible in the distance. No more than a slightly darker part of the surrounding view. But there is no doubt that someone is there, following me. Suddenly, the luminescence that was confined to a single ray envelops me. And I look up to see a gigantic full moon above me. It seems to have banished the clouds that once obscured it. And its cold light flows over me. I look back to the shadow of the figure following me. And with, and with a, deep, a deep, guttural, vulpine, vulpine growl, growl, start, to, start to, run to run towards
3: it.
1: Whoa, 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 get off me, you werewolf wannabe! <laughs> uh, actually, um, if you don't mind me saying, you, you do need a shave. Charming. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Whoa. I thought you put him away.
5: Did you know you've got one long hair coming out of your chin? Yeah.
1: Of course. It's for good luck. Yeah. You'll get one when you're my age. You never know when you you might need a a long hair. So. Ow! Twinkle toes pulled out my hair. Gross. uh, God, that's long. did you do that? Creepy robot. Well, yeah, that that is long, though. It's a bit weird. I'm changing the hairy subject. Do you think the moon landing's ever happened? I don't know.
5: I mean, the stuff we saw on TV really kind of leads me to believe that it's true, but why haven't we advanced since then? Why aren't we going to Mars? And, you know, and I don't mean the rover. I mean, like, why aren't people settling on a different planet by now? I don't know. I mean, it was pretty realistic, and money didn't go into it, I guess. Not enough money since the space race, so I... I mean, that could be why. I don't know. I guess my short answer is, I don't really know. I I, I hope so.
1: Well, see, I found this groovy monologue from from James Powell, the infamous American screenwriter. You, You know the fella? Anyways, have a listen to this.
7: The Apollo Moon Landing franchise that never was. My name is James Powell, and I'm the uncredited screenwriter for the 1969 summer blockbuster, The Moon Landing. People talk about Stanley Kubrick's brilliant vision like, I didn't write out the step-by-step instructions. <laughs> uh, well, you know, he did manage to find some ways to put his you know, personal stamp on it. You know, the, the script, uh, uh, my script, called for a shot of a uh, still unmoving American flag but you know Kubrick thought the imagery of a blowing flag would make for a much more pro-American apple pie shot as he called it so that's how we ended up with that uh, ridiculousness uh one small step for man one giant leap for mankind remember that little gem <laughs> Yeah, well, all me. Well, that's uh, well, it's not entirely true. I will say that Neil Armstrong and I worked together on crafting his famous line, but if I am truly being honest with myself and with you, then I should probably admit that I did about, uh, let's say, uh 85% of the work in Neil's, 10%. Uh, a member of Craft services came up with the, uh, one giant leap bit, so, you know, they, they, they get about, we'll say 5%. Before that, we were, uh, you know, considering, a, a hop, skip, and a jump for mankind, or a, a bunny hop for all of humankind, or something, uh, I, I really felt that we, uh, should feature the word hop, because at the time, the public was, uh, really latching on to the zeitgeist of, uh, of all the songs and popular culture that had featured the word hop or had a bunny in it. um, And at the time when we were first conceptualizing it, we were awfully close to Easter uh, for our release date, and I thought maybe we would make it in time. So putting an Easter Bunny reference in there would have probably been ideal. I- I've grown to accept it and uh, appreciate it for uh, what it is, uh, regardless of its, uh, banality, uh, and he f- up his lines anyway, you know, uh, the, the, the man was a, was a terrible, terrible improver, but you know what they say about actors and astronauts. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's pretty funny what they say. Uh, well, um, you know, uh, so 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 once I uh I, you know I turned in the final draft, I, I lost you know all creative control over the project, which is you know cry me a river because that's the story of every amazing screenwriter. You know, a man in black, uh, in a black suit, uh, gave me a check for thirty five thousand dollars and then drove away in a black Cadillac, which at the time thirty five thousand dollars, I was over the moon, so to speak, ah. Uh, uh well, you know right away I, I i I went and and bought myself a black suit and a buick i uh you know, couldn't afford a Cadillac yet, but-but it was coming soon. I could feel it at the time I thought I'd finally made it. I envisioned the moon landing a- a- as an epic trilogy. Eventually, we'd be able to spin it off into an entire cinematic universe a, a shared universe, if you will. I already started writing a sequel, see, uh, Neil is dead, and Buzz, along with an overwhelmed rookie astronaut for a partner, is forced to travel back to the moon in 1971 to find out why. Why what, you ask? Ha! That's what everyone else was asking at the time. But the third was going to be something bigger, something to do with lunar land rights and colonial disputes. I wanted to get into the politics of colonization and stuff like that, important things of the time, but I hadn't written it out yet, I I just, I I didn't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, I had a lot of notes. I watched in awe on July 20, 1969, not at the television screen, but at all the faces enraptured by our art. No one watching the moon landing that night would ever be the same again. Pleased with our opening night success, I sat back and I waited for their call. I just stared at the phone. I would sit there at my recliner with a whiskey in hand and a cigarette pressed between my lips, just squeezing the life out of it with it waiting. I planned to play a little hardball during negotiations. The first film was a hit, and that meant I had some leverage now. I wasn't about to squander the opportunity. But, but, that call never came. The studio decided to hire a new team of writers and, and proceeded to churn out five, count them five, subpar sequels in three years. Apollo 12, Apollo 14, and Apollo 17 were major flops and largely ignored by the general public. By 1973, it was clear that the American people were bored with the moon, and the plug was officially pulled on the moon landing franchise. They ruined it. We could have had it all. Could have had it all. Recently, I've heard the Space Force rumors, and with what they're planning to do now, they know it's going to take a real Creative genius to pull it off. If my phone rings. (laughs) If my country needs me again. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I'll answer that call. God bless America.
5: Peace! Well, that's food for thought. Could Space Force be real? I wonder if they have cool
1: uniforms. Oh, I'd love to be in Space Force. Like, vocally, not not actually. I'd probably be a bit sick. I mean, I haven't done many space things lately, have you? Uh, voice, I mean. A bit of a Girl in Space, Marsfall, Astral Queen. Mm. Hmm.
5: I've done a few Marsfall, Vast, Edict Zero, y- Star Trek Outpost. So, wait, why are we going to the moon again?
1: We are going to the moon to be the first all female and Twinkle. Toes. And twinkle toes. Oh my God, where would he come from? And Twinkle toes. Ooh, bear and Naboo. Oh first all female and. Twinkle toes and Naboo, and your
5: freshly
1: plucked, inhumanly long, lucky chin hair, and my freshly plucked, inhumanly long, lucky chin hair. Rocket mission to land on the moon, innit? it? <laughs> yeah, yes. This is a sharing of of a live recording of people's winning monologues sent to quirky voices and performed all the way up here in space. Yeah, no effect, there, no. Beamed across this wondrous universe for. Literature for art for adventure <laughs> and um hello if you're listening hi it's me, Sarah hello <laughs> that's Tanya so yeah listener um probably just this my mum and dad um if you go outside and 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 take a look up from from wherever you are but but don't, don't let that front door close on you again because you know the problems it caused last time so just go on out, out out you go right now go on we can wait a bit can't we Tanya just a a bit, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, so go outside, even if it's like four a.m. and just, just try not to wake everyone though, and and just go out and look up, and you might just spot us orbiting the planet, doing doing thousands of miles per hour above your heads, and just, just breathe in the Earth's air. Stop. And, and, and properly look, okay? Just just take a moment to, to take in the, the vast sky of stars, more vast in numbers than any brain could ever properly understand. It's pinpricks of light, travelling light years to your eyes while while I'm talking about it to your ears. It's amazing. And and whilst you're there, just just have a little wonder, like I am now, as I stare out of our makeshift rocket window down on Earth and, and beyond and and wonder is there... Is there anyone staring back at us? Other than... Oh, my God. Twinkle toes. Get out of my face! Sorry. Is there, um... Sorry, where was I? Is, is there... Is there anyone staring back at us? Other than a... Oh, a dog doing a poof. <laughs> Tanya! <laughs> can you seriously <laughs> try to stop him doing... There's no, I'm trying to concentrate on being wistful and, and contemplate our existence in this universe and all you... Oh my god, it's, it's, it's floating, it's floating. What you, uh. Naboo.
5: <laughs> Good boy. Oof. Oh my god, that's where the house key went.
3: Oh,
5: I was looking for that for weeks.
1: Um,
5: Couldn't get in for a couple of days, actually. Oh, where
1: are you going to wash that? Oh, please, just put that poo bag in the fuel system. It stinks in here now. Oh. Oh, see, why is no one inventing stenchless poo and soundless planes, hmm? And don't get me started on lawnmowers. Anyways, where was I? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, wistful, wistful, wistful. And and, and us, me and Tanya, Twinkle Toes, Naboo, and and my one ridiculously freakishly long chin hair. Well, if you look up, you might see us. We're like a a blue flash speeding across the sky because we're going so fast. See, we've just fired up the combustion fuel injection word in (laughs) conglomerators. The the what? the combustion fuel injection word in conglomerators yes it's it's where our our words go in just just in here
5: into that microphone
1: Uh-huh. and they they push fuel out to to power the engines right there next to the emergency lawnmower and toaster power behind us somewhere there
5: how does it do that words power rockets uh-huh.
1: um science
5: the science that's all you got yeah, i mean yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing?
1: We're, we're orbiting Earth, cruising and in increasing speed by the power of voice as fuel at the moment, as we speak, because we speak. I mean, sound-fueled rocket ships. I'm genius. <laughs> I knew voice acting would come in handy for something. <sighs> Where are we over now, Tanya?
5: Um, seriously? You're asking me to look out the window, Sarah? Uh.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I forgot because you're so. But but you can see some things, can't you? I mean, it's not complete blindness, is it? No, not complete
5: blindness. Just enough to get me into trouble.
1: You are always trouble, pal.
5: (laughs) Hey, can I use a telescope? I might be able to see something with that. Or a... A microscope, maybe? No, that wouldn't work. I can see... Blackness out there in space. So that means there's nothing there, no obstacles, which means I can pilot this thing. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. Well. You could ask me, Twinkle Toes. Uh, Will you stop floating up on me? No, I don't. Don't want to ask you. Thank you. Go there. And we 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 could maybe ask Naboo. Is he communicating in barks? Bark. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you seem to be the first dog to be walking on the moon.
5: Who is my lovely little guide dog? <coughs> oh. Who is?
3: Yeah. Oh, the poo. Yes. Yeah. Who yeah. is Yeah. My lovely
1: little
5: guide dog.
1: Who is? <coughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah. tell you I was allergic, did I? To dogs. Only a few thousand times. <sighs> well, at least my, my voice stayed the same this time. <laughs> did you did you hear that episode of Have We Fixed Space Junk? where was where,
5: season two, yeah. episode seven. Yep. <coughs> Hiccup, oh. change voice.
1: Fun. Oh, he's scratching there again. Hmm. He, he hasn't um he hasn't brought fleas with him has he?
5: Sarah, don't be crazy. You were scratching there too. Yeah, it's,
1: that's eczema though, isn't it? It's, it's different. I'm um, sorry, Naboo. I know you're a gorgeous little fellow, aren't you? You're love so lovely, little doggy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's scratching again. Oh, hey, oh, that reminds me we had this, this brilliant winning script from Maya Peace, age nine, from England. Do you want to hear it?
5: Maya Peace?
0: Yeah. What a beautiful name. To
1: protect the innocent.
0: Oh, this is a great one. You'll love it. Oh, the <laughs> Fleece by nine year old Maya Peace. Narrated by Mads Upton. Sunday, the 19th of November, 1969. <laughs> Dear Diary, today the fleets, dressed from head to toe in blinding white pajamas, with a metal, cylindrical, foreign object, I prefer to nickname them CFOs, strapped to them, landed on me again, leaving a small crater on my body. I was scared of what they would do next, and indeed tried to shake them off, but not to any avail. Instead, I was orbiting Earth, where they originated from, whilst acting terrified. They tortured me, setting up a pointy and sharp stick with paper on the end. It had embroidered red and white stripes on it, but a quarter was with white stars with a deep blue background, so it made me think of my beloved homeland's face um, being invaded by these strange people. They also thought I was a place for them to live on their rocky bed. Puh, it was horrible listening to them loudly snoring. I have negative feelings about this scenario. I am in pain. The police think I am inhabited by aliens, which may be true. They are unbelievably annoying. I am not to be used as a sleeping bag and I am just fed up with them coming here once every couple of years. They have disrupted my somewhat peaceful life, in which I am perfectly content without constant interruptions for six months straight. (gasps) Next time, I'll bring out my cannons. They'll be sure to do fatal damage to the internal organs of the fleas, not to mention the oxygen tanks of those fairly big needles they ride. In comparison to me.
5: Ah, the moon has
1: feelings. According to Miss Peace, yes. Cool. Speaking of which, um oh, my foot's gone to sleep. I, I think I need a, a little walk on it whilst we listen to the next moonologue, that's alright.
5: Moonologue. Love that. Yeah, I think nice. it was coined
1: by Karen Heimdall, who who incidentally wrote this next piece. It's fun times. <laughs> right, um I'm off for a walk. Or a float floaty walk.
5: For all of three foot that way? Yeah. You've got two feet already. Yeah,
1: three foot this way is uh, another woman's four thousand seven hundred million plus infinity mile journey the other way. I guess. Hmm? <laughs> uh, can you um, can you play them the thingy if uh, if it's loud enough? Might wake up my foot. Well, of course.
5: Here you go, folks. This is a Moon Monologue by Karen Heindahl. Valen is a woman of color, and a specialist, a mining engineer. She's in her mid-thirties. This scene takes place in a mining base, located at the south pole of the moon, sometime in the late 2070s. Ooh! Will we still be alive then? Sarah? Sarah?
1: Oh. She's gone. She's behind you. Oh my god, he's so sinister. How is he a child's toy? Um, yes. Yes, I, I am behind you. And yes, I, I hope to be alive in the, the 2070s. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm aiming to, to get a telegram from my king one day. <laughs> Elvis is dead. I mean the future future king of England. Uh,
5: oh, yes, a telegram. How quaint. <laughs> Won't that be lovely?
8: Chaka by Karen Haindal Narrated by Angelique Lazarus I watched my daughter skip along the Mare Cognito, braids jumping inside her spacesuit. I watched her skipping by the sea of knowledge, knowing so much and yet so little. She is so strong and and sure sure and brave and and trusting. trusting. I want to protect her from all the dangers of the world and make her life easy and fun and safe, but I know that I I I can't. She she turned turned and looked at me, just for a second. second. Mischief glinting in her brown eyes Before Before she started running in zigzags zigzags, Creating tracks tracks, Lunar dust slowly slowly swirling up around around her I could hear her laughter Through the calm She ran up to me And I lifted her up and swung her around Like I used to do when she was three I might have struggled a little doing that now Back on Earth But moon gravity means I'll probably still be able to do it When she's eighteen I was the first woman on the moon I took my first step here on August 27, 2069, and I never left. One small step for womankind, right? Though there was no broadcast, no media attention, no pithy, well-chosen words. One hundred years after Neil Armstrong planted his flag, and here was I, just an engineer sent to man, to woman, in fact, a one-person mining base. Everyone lost interest in the moon once Mars became a viable option with the successful Mars mission in 2024. What was that, sweetie? Yes, go out and play if you want. Just stay in the protected zone. No, Mommy has to finish this. Yes, you go. Don't forget to pee before you get into your suit. Love you too, sweetheart. I am so lucky to have her. I never thought I wanted a kid, and for a long time I was so happy on my own. But it was written into my contract with Cosmocore that as I was away on an indefinite mission during my reproductive years, I could request sperm if I wished to procreate. And I thought about it more and more. About bringing up a kid in this place. About if I would be any good at this parenting thing. About if I could stand not trying. In the end, I realized I couldn't. Stand it, that is. So I requested some sperm. (laughs) And in the next supply crate, there were five vials from five different men. No clue who they are. Or were, I suppose. (sighs) I got pregnant on the third try. I was fortunate to have a pretty uncomplicated pregnancy. I only realized after I actually got pregnant and did some proper research how dangerous even normal pregnancies are, and what absolute lunacy, pun definitely intended, it was to even consider being pregnant and give birth all on my own. Of course, the contract was not drawn up by someone with a uterus, let alone someone who had actually given birth, so what did they know? It was... horrible. But... We both survived, and she was such a happy and easy baby. Good thing, because I still had to do my job. Mining on the moon is fairly automated, though, so it worked out all right. I remember reading about the first women astronauts, and how they got these ridiculous questions about how they were supposedly abandoning their husbands and children, and if they weren't afraid they would get hysterical, hate that word, and not be able to control their emotions once in space. I guess some things change, but plus ça change, right? And now, I have been debating whether I should send this out into the void. I should send something. And it might as well be this, I suppose. I am hoping it reaches someone. Hoping it reaches the Mars colony, really, but if not, just someone. Anyone. Earth is... silent. It has been 182 days since our final supply crate, and 164 days since our last communication with Earth. What I see from here is terrifying. I think there was a nuclear war in the end. From what I could piece together, the global governance of Telus broke down, and the various factions descended into all-out war in a matter of weeks. (sighs) There must be survivors, right? They're probably in bunkers, hiding out until it's safe to go to the surface. Yeah, that must be it. We're okay. We can manage with the greenhouse and the animals. The supply crates were mostly for things like medicine and clothes and entertainment and mining equipment. And I have a stockpile of medicine and clothing that should last us at least ten years if we're careful. Entertainment, we can do without. Mining equipment is redundant now, of course. Why mine for titanium when no one's there to buy it? I have better things to do with my time. But it would be nice to know. to know we're not alone. to know there is a possibility we could meet someone else at some point. So, if you hear this, let us know, all right? Thanks. Chica, wait right there. I'm coming out to play.
1: Oh, I love these mummy daughter stories. I mean, just look. I mean, just look at the earth from here. I mean, think about all those people. Just like, you know, from 24 when they put all the, the different pictures of things, and then imagine like loads of those. And oh, It's mind blowing, isn't it? There's no, no borders, no. Segregation of vegetation It's just just one big old bluesy, whitey, greeny, browny, gorgeous world. I I mean it's, it's beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Beautiful. It's quite nice. Oh my god. How can you even see you you're, you're a you're a toy robot? Is this thing actually alive? No. Yes Freaky you yeah. <clears throat> know. Oh, Oh, did you see the um, Earth from Space episodes by the BBC? That's amazing, seriously. I mean, it's nearly as good as this view, except except I can't zoom in and see cool baby elephants (laughs) just flashing into my bed. (laughs) Oh, hang on. My phone's ringing, sorry. You can still get a signal? Yeah, yeah, that's weird, because we're right over a black spot in the south of England where I never get a signal. Oh, Oh, look, it's Fiona. Hello? Sarah, hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, I thought we were
9: meant to meet in the pub for our planning session.
1: Who are is you it? Are you on your way? You're... Uh, ah, bum. Who is it? It's, it's Fiona Thrail of, of Dashing Onions. I, I was meant to, to meet her for a little... Hello, Fiona. Hello, how are t- you doing? T- yeah, 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 yeah. So, sorry, Fiona, I'm I'm going to be late. I'm... Oh, by how long? I can get a later train. Um, hang on. T- it take to get to the moon, have a quick lie down and a chill, maybe a game of tennis, jump off some hills, bury some treasure and, and maybe twinkle toes here, and then and then get back home. I'd bury you fast. I don't doubt it.
5: Probably like six to eight days? Because it's like three hundred and forty thousand miles or more.
1: Um, oh. <clears throat> so Fiona, yes, about I'll uh, be about Six days.
9: What? You won't be here for six days.
1: Yes. Yeah, because I've just got to travel three hundred and forty-eight thousand miles and then back to the. Oh,
9: I can't wait g- that long. I've got to pick my daughter up in two hours. Um, Sarah, where exactly are you and Tanya and Twinkletoes? Um.
1: So how did you know Twinkletoes was here?
9: Oh, I sense his dark presence. Ah,
6: Fiona. Long time no speak.
9: No,
1: probably for the best. Yeah, he's weird, isn't he? Um well you you're never gonna believe this, but we we're on our way to the moon. Oh,
9: that's exciting. The real moon? Yeah,
1: of course. Is there another one?
9: I'm not at liberty to say. So, how on earth did you swing that one?
1: Oh, Long story, Um, David Alt helped with his astrophysics. He, he helped us create this ship. And, and while the rest was sheer tenacity and and really stupid experiments with solder ions... Um, actually, whilst you're here, do you want to perform a monologue for us? Because um, words, they they fuel the rocket, you see. And we, you speak so beautifully. Oh, um,
9: sure. What's it called and who's it by?
1: But the next one's called Darkness by... Oh. Oh that's that's handy. Oh
9: <laughs> exciting. Here we go. Are you sitting comfortably?
6: It's hard to sit in space, Fiona.
1: Ignore him. Ignore him. We yep. yeah. oh, have a dog. That's not my dog. It's
5: Nabu. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He wants to hear your story. Don't you
9: boy? Marvelous. Then I'll begin. Darkness by Fiona Thrale. Narrated by Fiona Thrail. My people, what I have to say to you today, it's not an easy speech. It's not a speech about how well our economy's doing. It's not a speech about our creation of 2,000 new jobs last week. I've already told you all about that. No, this is a hard speech because it is deeply personal to me. Even leaders like me, who were once children, whatever the press might say, children who grew up reading about world history, children who grew up reading about humanity's achievements, who were inspired by the incredible scientific breakthroughs that preceded our lives on this planet, for me, one of the greatest accomplishments of the existence of the human race was us reaching the moon. I'm a bit too young to have seen it happen live on TV, but like pretty much all of you, I saw that very famous footage, the first steps on that dusty surface of our nighttime friend. In that moment, I remember the sense of excitement I felt. If we could walk on the moon, well, we could reach anywhere. Have you seen that rocket they went up in, those brave astronauts? If we could put something together like that in the 1960s, then what can we do now? And that's why this is so hard to tell you all the truth. But you need to know it. You deserve to know it, so that you can act upon it. The moon landings never happened, not because there were no moon landings, but because there is no moon. I appreciate that you're wondering about the sanity of your president right now, and believe me, I would prefer for me to be insane than for this to be the truth. But truth it is, and you deserve to hear it. For many years now, this country's top scientists have been concerned by the movements of the moon, its constant nocturnal presence above our country's streets. But now, using cutting-edge analysis those top scientists have found the moon to be the most sophisticated artificial construction of espionage we have ever known. An all-seeing, self-illuminating recording device, scouring our country when you and I are in our beds, unaware of this aggressive surveillance. We are still awaiting official verification of its origins, So I call on you all now not to jump to conclusions about our neighbours and fellow citizens. You understand, this involves fake news on an unprecedented level, our enemies literally rewriting the history books to include mentions of this planetary body, to make us feel as if it has always been with us, as if it has deep roots in our poetry, in In our art, in in our our science. Science. So please, my people, I implore you, you be patient with us while while we finalise our conclusions. And trust Trust in us that that this will be be met with the absolute full full force of our defensive services. services. In In the the meantime, meantime, for your protection, we we are are instating martial 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 law with immediate effect. effect there will be a countrywide curfew 20 minutes before dusk every evening until sunrise my dear people i know that the vast vast majority of you will be glad to cooperate in this i promise you that we will deal with this as fast as possible and unless you're a spy trying to make contact with your people via the moon systems This will not affect your life at all. To hasten this process even more, my people, I'd like us all to look around us. Are there people we might know who appear to follow patterns of the moon's surveillance? Someone in your street who goes on business trips each month? Perhaps even a family member who claims to mysteriously bleed in the same moon phase every month? Once again, this is not aimed at the vast majority of us all. There are a tiny minority of moon agents walking among us. They are the few, we are the many, and we will crush them. We will make our country safe once more. But it will will take us us coming together to seek out those who threaten our privacy, who pry into our very souls with their fake so-called moonlight. I ask you to trust me like I trust you. And in return, I promise you that I will bring our country back to the natural Calm, Calm nights, nights. The, the natural, natural darkness, darkness that, that is our ancestors. ancestors. Bring, bring back, back our, our night. Bring, bring back, back our darkness.
1: darkness. Whoa, is that real?
5: Love that. You should be a president, Fiona. President. Seriously, oh, you're awesome. a natural. She'd ruin everything. Oh,
9: hmm. president of a. Very um. tiny planet, maybe. I'd love that. I promise to do any nice things and obviously not abuse my power in any way or invade places or.
1: Bad. Oh, we're losing the, the signal.
6: I cut her oh. off. This is the end of part one of three of the monologue sessions. Join us next time for part two. Thank you to Tanya Milojevich for accompanying Sir Golding on this perilous mission. And thank you to our winning monologues in this episode. Moon, by Hayden Davis, narrated by Tanya Milojevich. The Moon franchise that never was, by J. Christian Ellett. And performed by James Oliva. Fleas, by Maya Pierce, narrated by Madison Upton. Chaika, by Karen Heimdahl. Narrated by Angelique Lazarus. Darkness, written and narrated by Fiona Thrill. Thank you to our narrator, Brett Maskell-Watts, and thank you to Carlos Zahn for their beautiful music you're listening to right now. And huge thanks again to all of the Quirky Voices Patreon supporters who honestly encouraged and made this happen. Check out Quirky Voices at Weebly.com for more information about upcoming quirky fun. Tune in for the next exciting episode coming soon. Huzzahs for the moon and all who have stood upon it. Happy listening, happy adventuring, and goodbye for now.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Moonalog Sessions by Quirky Voices. We're excited to share with you today some monologues inspired by the moon landings of 50 years ago today. And none of this program would be possible without the amazing Patreons for Quirky Voices. So, Alma, Artist Soapbox, Audio Oblivious Productions, Chan Bramwell, Christine, Hazel, Kareem, Karen, Kirsty, Matthew, Michael, Paul, and William. This is for you. For you are legend. Enjoy. Oh, and this awesome music is by Kahlo Zahn. Also legend. Enjoy!
4: To the Moonologues, part two.
9: Bring, bring back, back our, our night. Bring, bring back, back our darkness. darkness.
1: Whoa. Is that real?
5: Love that. You should be a president, Fiona. President? Seriously, oh, you're natural. She'd ruin everything. Oh.
9: Hmm. President of a very oh. tiny planet, maybe. I'd love that. I promise to do any nice things and obviously not abuse my power in any way or invade places or...
1: Anything bad. Oh, we're losing the, the signal. I cut her oh. off. Well, that was so good. We, we're going even faster now. And just to update you on, on our progress list now, we, we have now slingshotted round the earth enough to, to start towards the moon in, in three, two, one... <laughs>
6: <laughs> Are you, Bye. Sorry. Have fun. I was joking about cutting her off, but I have now.
1: <laughs> uh, please shut up. Oh, that was nice. Fiona's is amazing. It
5: was. We should give her five billion stars for that performance.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. A review. A rating. Yes. Actually, talking of which, the lovely J. Christian Ellett of Good Point Podcasts written this truly fun review of a, an imagined trip to the moon. Ooh.
5: Ooh, let's hear it. I'll make us some coffee. Strong, weak, or medium.
6: I'll have mine as black as nougat's knocker.
1: Right. Superb. And, and, oh, and, and good luck. We're making coffee and no gravity, Tanya. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I'll read this one, shall I? Okay. So, So Over the Moon, One Star, by J. Christian Ellett of Good Point Podcast, narrator, Sarah. Now let me be clear. I am one hundred percent not exaggerating when I say that my trip to the moon was the absolute worst experience of my entire life. I mean, this whole sheep show started right when my family and I first arrived at the Houston launch terminal. Parking is one hundred credits a day. A day. I mean, that's over a grand for the trip. I mean, you should call yourself space pirates once inside. We were subjected to to all sorts of lasers and and beeping doodads and whatnots and and lines. Oh, so many never-ending lines. We finally got past security to find out more great news. We've been delayed for four hours. All because of a solar flare. A solar flare? Ridiculous. The trip itself was, for the most part, uneventful. My daughter woke me up mid-flight complaining that the Wi-Fi was non-functional, which is weird, because I remember paying an extra 25 credits for continuous Wi-Fi. If I paid for a service with continuous in the name, I expect it to always be available. My daughter had planned to binge the new season of Gilmore Girls, but due to the collective incompetence of your entire organisation, she was forced to stare blankly out the window for hours as we approached the lunar surface. Boring. Once we got to the resort, if you can even call it that, we were informed that our luggage had been misplaced. how, How does that even happen? All you have to do is get three suitcases from Earth. To the moon without losing them, and what's, what's so hard about that? It's not like it's it's rocket science. Then the actual vacation begins, and, and we quickly find out that there was nothing to do on the moon. So let me describe the moon for you in in three words: boring, boring, and dumb. Interested in local lunar cuisine? It's chicken nuggets. I didn't come all the way to the moon to eat some chicken nuggets, the same ones I, I eat in my car on my lunch break on Earth. I mean, the moon pies, however, weren't half bad, but it's the best endorsement you can get is not half bad. That tells you everything you need to know about moon food. Isn't it? What's, what's with the entire kitchen staff having moustaches? Hmm? Is Is that some sort of, of moon kitchen requirement or uniform? I mean, won't you Once you notice the consistency... It's, um, well, it's unsettling, to, to say the least. See, the moon tourism ads all said it was our home away from home, or, or something like, experience the romantic isolation of the moon. <laughs> but guess what? There are so many people here. Everywhere we go, there's a, there's a long line of ugly, dumb tourists. And dogs. Oh, so many dogs. If you think dogs howl at the moon... You should hear them howl when they're actually on the moon. My wife, she signed us up for the Dark Side Morning Hike, but if you ask me, you should call it the Dark Side Morning Hype, because I didn't see what the big deal was. With the view, it was hardly impressive. Hmm? Other reviewers on here said they'd had a, a life-changing experience, which caused them to, to reevaluate their place in the universe. But all I saw was a, a cluster of stars and lights. And all I could think was, after a four-hour hike, this is it. The stars looked fake. Nothing at all like the pictures or videos I'd seen online or on TV, no. My trip to the moon was a complete waste of time and money. I I was really excited prior to my trip, but I doubt I will ever go back. I am so over the moon. One star.
5: Ooh, that was great. I probably wouldn't want to go back either if that was me. Just like I won't try to make coffee again in zero gravity. Not very smart.
1: Mm. Yeah, probably best. <laughs> I, I see you've got some all over your spacesuit and do you know it looks like you've made a map of the the Hawaiian Islands on your your Amelia podcast t-shirt. <laughs> Mahalo. <laughs> mm. You can maybe suck that out. I don't want to waste it. Away, oh, it's disappeared. Out on brand. So yeah, um, one star. Hmm. Yeah, that that often means you've made it though, doesn't it? In some people's eyes, doesn't it? You, you've made enough of a splash for people to notice your work, at least. Yeah. <laughs> do you um? Do you think anyone will review our our Live podcast.
5: I hope so. It's the nice thing to do.
1: I've heard. I have heard actually that every time you don't leave a podcast review and you've listened to something, a, a teeny tiny creature you love dies in a in a horrible way. So
5: folks should definitely leave definitely, a review. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Yes. Yes. Save. Save the teeny tiny creatures we love. Probably just better to
5: leave an awesome yes. review and save all the animals, right?
1: Exactly. Talking of which, here's one of the monologues that sounded like it could be narrated by Twinkle Toes himself.
5: He really sounds like Kareem Crompley, huh? Mm,
1: yeah, well, it, when he's playing a badass. Yeah. Doesn't make Twinkle Toes there any less creepy. I mean, did you hear Kareem in Diary of a Madman?
5: Ugh, freaky stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one. Well, this one's about the folks that first went there, the, the pioneers, the, the builders. Yeah. You know, I do think that one day we will colonise that moon, won't we? Yep. Can you say the word with me? Colonise, colonise. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to imagine there's like you know hot tubs and moon rocks and and slip and slides on the crater's edge and moon bars. Oh, I'd love a, a holiday there in, in in that kind of environment, wouldn't you? Yep.
5: Cheers, man. Cheers.
10: What a beautiful, beautiful view. I'm here. I am. I'm here on the moon. On the moon as a a pioneer. And I feel. I feel. I feel true silence. True peace. Making. Making such a deafening noise in me. I can hear my heart. I can hear my blood. Blood is life. I, I look around me at the nothing and the weird light and I am raw, scared, a scared man. I feel bare, stark, like the moon-faced rocks, the actual moon rocks I stand on. I feel their cold core and they emit nothing. I stand. I think. I am. I emit life. The only life for thousands of miles. I'm here. Who am I? I am man on the moon in the moon. No, on. On the moon. This. This is what momentous is. This. This is my... This is my... my pinnacle. My life's... Feel raw reborn as I hear my breath as I taste my spit, as I touch my fingers in my gloves, I can see our beautiful Earth, and Earth can see the moon, but it can't see me, not me truly, not scared me in my named spacesuit and rugged dust-fettered boots, clutching sample bags tools and wishing I could take this damn helmet off. I heard the Hostile Worlds podcast episode as to what would happen if I took my helmet off. I... I don't want to do that. No. But if... oh, if I could breathe out into this moonscape... oh, I'm here. I am. Because people... People know I'm here, don't they? Yes. People celebrate. I am. People, people are thinking of me here, and I'm thinking of them over there. But they know me, but I don't. I don't know them. It took a lot to get here. I was built on that, on what it took. Fitness, mental health, agility, resilience, problem-solving, decision-making, leadership. I should have been the leader. I felt it. Strive. I strove. Is that a word? No. But I... I feel a, a strange pressure on me. Physically and otherwise. This moment. This. Now this. Right now, I, the peace, the still, it makes me hear my thoughts, my inner thinking thoughts, cause I could die here, I could, I could just take my helmet off and, oh, but the view, view. Others wanted my place to be here, were strong and fit and agile enough, but, but one by one they fell away and I I'm here by right, by hard work, by grit and spit and, and by wanting to, to to see this view. Hold it forever in your mind's eye. I can. (laughs) I can cover the whole earth with the the tip of my thumb. All of humanity under me. (laughs) Just snuff them out. Out of existence, out of sight. (laughs) Out of... What a privilege it is to to be one of the few to walk on the moon before they send the tourists. To start a colony. To be a pioneer. Pioneers for space package holidays for all, they said. (laughs) Beats working Bogner, I suppose. Though, I do like to be beside the seaside. I look at my footprints here. Now in the moon dust and think, wow. These will be here long after I'm gone from any planet's atmosphere. My mark, my legacy in a bootprint, builder of generations. Can I stay here? Could I? Can I build a house for me and mine with a, a porch and, a swinging chair and, and. And look out into the dark void at our peaceful earth and maybe even a fine shrubbery. House on the moon with shrubbery, only 6.5 gazillion pounds, comes with astronaut lodger Victor Smith. What a guy, a pioneer. I mean, it's amazing to think what man has dreamed of. What's that? Something smashed from... Whoa! What is that looming? Just a glint, but... Coming closer. Closer. Oh, some kind of comet, or... or or no, a bunch of asteroids. Asteroids, cripes. Oh, oh, they're coming quickly, too quick. Where to go, where to hide? Big rock, big rock, shelter, here. I can't. Just... suit. No. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Breathe. For a moment. No time to get back to the lander. Too big to mend. just maybe I'll just take off my helmet and enjoy the view one last time just take a seat I'm here I see you. I...
3: am... here. Here. I... Oh,
1: that was... That was a bit sad. Well, you wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, it should be a full season. That doesn't it really? Huh? Yeah, I wrote, I wrote one more and all, and um, because you know when we we colonise the colonise colonise the moon, um, and I do think we will, you know, for one reason or another. I mean, it'd be the best writers retreat ever, right? <laughs> Let's all go. I mean, no no lawnmowers for a start. Man, you had to spoil it, didn't you? Well, I, I was just wondering, you know, what the the first people would have thought when they when they got there, you know. Will yeah. think and and would have felt. Will yeah. feel and being new colonists, colonists, colonists. Yeah, moving moving in day. I mean, we all love that, right? When you know, moving house to a a moon house or mod cons and that on the, on the moon. Cool. Well. <laughs>
5: Let's hear it, because we're slowing down again.
1: Okay. All right, wait. Can you, um, do you want to sing an intro? No.
5: So, here is Solar Flare Siren,
1: Patrice on the moon. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, <clears throat> Solar Flare Siren, written and narrated by Sarah Goulding. So here we are This this beautiful cut house is my lovely new moon house for the rest of my days. Oh I could have worked harder with the street names though. 4291 Lunarize Olympus Mons under Dome 369. Mm. Oh, I could kiss it but I won't. That him. Um, that would be weird. Now how do I get in? Yes, breathe that freshly made dome air into the breath scan. Handprint. Oh, <coughs> mm, I stand oh, I Just like the films, and it works. Yay! Yay technology. Yay, travelling 384,000 miles, and I carry myself over the threshold. <laughs> I'm in. God, what is that alert for? Uh, hello, house. Um, what is that alert for? Is that a, a burglar alarm? Surely not. I don't know where to find the console. Hello, house. Moon house. Luna rise. Uh, where's the console? Where? Oh. Oh, what a noise! We okay, okay. But what does it mean? What do I have to do? Do I have to go somewhere else? Oh my god, I haven't even been told what to do when there's a solar flare and I don't even know if there's a, a welcome to your new house tech guide. It's all bare surfaces and no furniture. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? Oh my god. Solar flare alert. I don't know what to do. But could I die? Could I die if I... Do I just, do I just stay inside? Do I, do I get under the table? What What stops rays? Solar rays? Sunglasses. I Check, knew I'd need them here. <laughs> you <actually> were wrong. <laughs> and here's the sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, and maybe, maybe I'll just pop the sunscreen all over me and go sit under the dining table. I mean, my goodness, looks like it could repel anything. That um, oh, was it made of obsidian or something? Or no, <gasps> no we, That's good old fashioned moon rock, <laughs> painted. Painted moon rock, yeah, it's cute that. Hmm, yeah, how long do these alert things last? I mean, how long could I last under a table with minimal rations? I mean, do I take my Kindle, my hotbox? my pillow? I mean, maybe if I, I just shut all the curtains, oh, oh, oh they're, they're not curtains, they're, they're, they're projections. Oh, neat. Then are the windows projections too? Oh my god, they are. It's just a just a box. A box house on the moon. Well <sighs> these moon colony houses were so close together anyways. I guess if I shouted enough I could get the attention of my neighbour. But maybe maybe they've just moved in too, huh? Maybe they don't know anything either. Maybe maybe they're just saying the same things I am in their box of a moon house and <sighs> Oh, cold walls, moon rock walls, <laughs> weird, <gasps> I'm touching the moon, <laughs> oh, I wonder how long that would be exciting for,
3: hmm.
1: oh now, now what if it's, um, what if it's not a solar flare siren, hmm? even though it said it was, maybe it's like a, a bluff, a secret signal that something else is happening. What if what if it's a, a nuclear warhead heading for the moon? Hmm? Imagine that. Just got here after four days of travel and there's a bleeding war on. Oh, take that, Alanis Morissette. I mean, where have I to go? Probably under the dining table, I yeah. I hope Dax and the kids got on the following ship okay, though. Such a nuisance we couldn't all come together. I mean, you never can book in all at once for these things, eh? Stupid credit system. House husbands lower on the list and school teachers are nurses. Crazy. Well, oh, maybe progress. Well, we dreamed of living on the moon and here we are. Well, I am. So far. On my own. In a, a box. A cold stone box made of cold moon rock. Maybe I, I will take a chance and glance out the window. Oh, the door. I can I can open the door, can't I? That was real, right? Oi, what is it? Oh, yeah. breath. imprint. I.
5: I hope her family turned up after that. Probably.
1: Probably. Unless. Unless.
6: the solar flare killed them.
1: Yeah. Oh. oh, you are brightness and light, aren't you?
5: Oh my god! I just thought, are we protected from solar flares in here? I mean, it's just a bunch of old junk. Your Jaws blanket, a few throws. Our old kit. Oh god. Are we getting radiation sickness? Could Nabu lose his hair? Will we die? Yes.
1: Shush, you. What Twinkle Toes means is eventually... We all do, Tanya. And, And yes... Yes, I guess we are getting just a, a little more radiation out here than we would at your your house maybe or, or mine but you know we wanted to go to the moon so get to the moon we shall um let's um let's turn up the booster rocket shall we just get there a bit quicker you know?
5: booster rockets you mean plug in the six toasters stuck to the back of this va tech hodgepodge mm.
1: here? fire up the law Ah, oh, no! No, 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 no. No, we didn't bring the lawnmowers for speed. No. No, we brought them to jettison, jettison them into, into the, the sun!
5: sun. <laughs> Shall we do that now, too, for voice
1: actors everywhere? Yep. Ready? Three, two, one! <laughs> Blast off, you noisy, making summer spring butt!
5: Yeah, you blastified blur! Come on! Black-ified, black-ified, black-ified oh, of a black Blackified, black... Black... Yeah? <laughs> <sighs> I have a lot of pent-up aggression toward lawnmowers. Well, you know,
1: for once they've done us a favour. This should uh, give us a bit of a boost in about four minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder if I can catch the toast with this robot arm thing. I'm, I'm a bit hungry.
5: We got dog food, beer, and wine and like, a fully functioning bar, baby. Mm,
1: why not? Ice in the slice, too, if you can um, catch the lemon.
5: Gin, vodka, and kailua in a glass?
1: With a lid, obviously. So we can call it a, a dirty moon. <laughs> nice. Oh, catch it. Catch some, those dirty moon balls. Is my ice, is it? Ay! <laughs> mm. Oh, that's nice, huh? Mm.
5: Okay, I'll do the same. I guess. Cheers! Now, we need some culture, don't we? To go with our ever so glorious dirty. Yeah, moon. This,
1: this is weird, but, but it's nice.
5: This monologue is by the amazing, talented writer, award winning Emily C. Snyder in New York. Shakespeare inspired. Oh, uh,
1: hello, Emily!
5: Ooh, I do love some Willy Shakes.
1: Calm down, dear. Forsooth mayhap you've had too much Kalua caffeine, and... Oh, <coughs> <of> <coughs> oh, oh, Naboo, put you some water. Glybby little doggy. little <coughs> doggy. Okay, Tanya. Naboo, are you ready for... <coughs> the Distance That's Between Us Is The Moon by Emily C.A. Schneider. Narrator. It's me, innit?
5: Yes. Do it, Sarah. Crush it, man. You got this. Okay,
1: here we go. The distance that's between us is the moon, waxing, waning, surprising me in sunlight, before drifting into the cloud-covered canopy, just another concrete blemish of the cerulean-spangled sky. Sometimes I think I can catch you in my palm. reach out. Fingers sunlight spread to clutch you like an opalescent pearl. Pop you perfect in my mouth and let your soft, refracted light spread like cool coral coils throughout my outspread limbs till I fill full to the brim with your restless resplendence. Burst to... Spill the beauty of your splendour like stars upon the sea that sizzle once. Flare and fade. Cause a little tidal wave and then recede to slumber. For the distance that's between us is the moon. Most often, though, your heavy eye eclipses me. Wink once, twice, turn your head and with a sigh... You sink, deep, deep beneath the heavy counterpane of earth and loam, toadstool, toad, root and bug-blind worm, a little rustle of the autumn's disregarded leaves, a puff of woodbine smoke, the last sputterings of something fragile spark between us, till, with collar turned against the chill you go, a week a month or more, and then return, with borrowed light and wreath full stinking with some other woman's smoke, for the distance that's between us is the moon. Had I a pair of Icarus wings, I should not fly to thee. I know the contours of your pock-marked cheek, the skeletons and all the secrets that you keep on the dark side of your moon your shadow brood, are clear as morning light to me. I know, there's nothing in the hollow of your weightless, wavering, watery world. No fire burns inside you, oh, as fire burns in me. Had you A pair of Icarus wings, pale feather-strapped with glue and wax, with hope and chewing gum and half-remembered stolen dreams. Had you ambition to equal mine? Had you fire on your heels to singe your soul and launch you fast past the airy blanket of the star-strewn sky? For the distance that's between us is the moon. Had you... Dared you do more than steal a little sunlight for yourself? Had you braved the sun sparks of my skin, the phoenix and the salamander and all that lies within? Had you, dared you, slipped once from out your orbit to dance among the galaxies that swirl along my skirt? Braved the burning of your feathers and the melting of your cold, uninhabited concrete heart. Had you dared you let me fill your soul with the excess blaze that's reflected coldly in your blue and blinking gaze? Or let my fingertips creep across the airy blanket that marks the place between the sun and moon? Then maybe, but the distance that's between us is the moon, one of millions juggled in my sphere, for love too costly, for sleep too dear, and I too, great a shining star, to linger longer, yeah. How
5: refreshing. I feel terribly cultured now.
1: Oh I say, would you like a hobnob?
5: I've never been so insulted in my life.
1: No, it's 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 a biscuit. And yeah, other biscuits are also very very nice, obviously. Um they're a bit smaller though, I saw that research. Um don't get me started on Jaffa mm, cakes. Tony.
5: Java cakes. We can still do the thing. What oh, the thing? The thing. The thing. thing. Oh yes, the thing.
1: Oh, just the thing. The full, (coughs) full. Full moon. Half moon. Mm. Half moon.
3: Eclipse.
1: Eclipse. Mm. Can I have one, Mm. please? Please. Mm. But you're a robot. Am I? Shall we just play the next monologue so we can eat the whole packet? Sorry. Let's. Yeah.
11: Mm. I. Used to think the moon was a button sewn to the sky with golden thread. When I was a child, floating in the midnight spill of its light on my counterpane, I'd imagine I belonged to another world, at the back of the moon, this Earth's flipped sister. Everything was otherwise in this night kingdom where we spoke in language I'd made up by squishing my tongue against my palate. Sometimes I'd speak this language when I was nervous. My brothers teased me ruthlessly for my disgusting habit, until I told them I'd been taught by aliens to speak their tongue. Strangely, this did not help with the teasing. But at night, at the back of the moon, I'd explore the cosmic tundra, no longer the undersized squirt but a captain of my solar raft. Even today, when I wake in the nocturnal hours, there's a moment when I reach for my oar for a few seconds believing there are still adventures waiting for me out there in the sea of stars.
5: I like her. I love that one.
1: You know what? It evokes memories of childhood. Yes, it was by the amazing Sarah May Tucson. Hello, Sarah May. You're so amazing and beautiful.
6: Sarah May Tucson is
1: amazing. Aren't all our narrators amazing? And it's so nice to hear Lucy in all her glory. I like her. Oh, yeah. See, what I love, though, is that... See, although we're at different ages and and different places and... What, me and you? Yeah, yeah, me and you. Well, me and everyone, really. We're still still all born under the same moon, weren't we? And, you know, when when you do look up at night, your night and my night, we... We see the same face, don't we? The face of the moon. I I love that. Me too. And we'll leave our explorers for a short while to contemplate their very existence on, over, around, and near this earth until part three. Coming soon. Do they land on the moon, on their chocolatey, dirty moon high? Find out in part three, coming soon! In this episode you heard monologues from J. Christian Elliot who wrote So Over the Moon, Emily C. Snyder who wrote The Distance Between Us is the Moon, both narrated by Sarah Golding as well as Sola Flare, which the loony wrote herself, as well as writing I Am Here, Here I Am performed by Kareem Cromley. Sir Tucson provided the wondrous The Back of the Moon, narrated by the also wondrous Lucille Valentine. Sir is fundraising for her next Fable Gazer show, an extravaganza looking at the amazing work and personality of the Regency romance author, Georgette Hare And Sarah Golding has the pleasure of voicing some of Georgette's actual words, and my, was she a feisty soul. She certainly was. Took no nonsense at all, so... Find out more on www.fablegazers.wordpress.com. Tune in one final time for Episode 3 of the Moonlock Sessions, soon. Thank you to all the narrators and writers, and of course, to the amazing Tiny Molojvich. If you like this show, find out more about Quirky Voices at quirkyvoices@gmail.com at gmail.com. Or ping us a message on Twitter at Quirky Voices. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. To the Moonologue Sessions by Quirky Voices. We're excited to share with you today some monologues inspired by the moon landings of 50 years ago today. And none of this program would be possible without the amazing Patreons for Quirky Voices. So, Alma, Artist Soapbox, Audio Oblivious Productions, Chan Bramwell, Christine, Hazel, Kareem, Karen, Kirsty, Matthew, Michael, Paul, and William this is for you. For you are legend. Enjoy. Oh, and this awesome music is by Kahlo Zahn. Also legend. Enjoy!
4: To the Moonologues Part three.
1: Oh yeah. See what I love though is that see, although we're at different ages and, and different places and What, me and you? Yeah, yeah. me and you. Me well, me and everyone, really. Yeah, we were still we we're still all born under the same moon, weren't we? And you know, when you when you do look up at night, your night and my night, we we see the same face, don't we? The face of the moon, like... Right? I love
5: that me too. look at it now, getting closer by the second, Earth falling behind us. <sighs>
1: make a wish why I don't know it just feels appropriate.
5: I can't think of anything. what
1: all right well should we just get the next story fueling this joy machine and well, maybe that will help hmm? okay. You gonna age up? Actually, no, I was going to, but but the amazing Erica Sanderson narrated this one, for she is legend.
12: A Wish for My Forever A moon monologue by William J. Mayer Narrated by Erica Sanderson Is time different out here? Is it? I don't mean because of the curvature of space time or any of that. I mean because time is the stuff. The real stuff. The pliable stuff, and it's inside you. Bound to your living, your loving, your wondering. Affected more by woe and joy than gravity. It stretches, it twists, it's elastic. Right? I think so. I've been waiting forever. Waiting to see you. But maybe today, time, the real stuff, will retract. And my forever will end. Okay, I don't mean forever as in always ever. And yes, I'm looking at you even now. What I mean, of course, is essential time. Time for being. Empty. That's what time should be for. Not measured up. Not counted down. (sighs) Should. But mostly, time is for the waiting. And that's a different kind of empty. I know it can never be like it was. Simply can't be. And maybe that's for the best. But the choice was made for us. And change arrived with a wallop. A traumatic impact smashed us apart. Forever, I guess. I keep using forever. Sure sounds stupid. Yesterday, Thea came between us. Not her fault. I mean, she was just being Thea, right? Should I be grateful? Yeah, I guess. She kind of made me what I am, and yes, you too. Love is like that sometimes. A tangle of glistening threads, but the web is still invisible somehow. But that doesn't change the fact that we had no choice. It's cold and lonely out here. I don't like that. But I know, the catastrophe gave you all that water as a parting gift. So I guess, I guess I shouldn't be too upset. The water grew for you all that wonderful green stuff. It's pretty. Looks good on you. Still, whenever I dwell on it, yes, I admit I dwell on it, I get so worked up, so angry. Sometimes I turn red. Not healthy. Let it go. I know. Let it go. The problem is... The pain is comfortable. Do you mind if I admit that? Still, I promise. Won't do anything rash. Nope. I don't really have a dark side. No matter what you've heard. After the crash... The accident, we can call it, to be non-judgmental if we must... Well... Eventually, eventually I settled down, pulled myself together. But, but you must know, we were one, now we are two, and I miss you. I keep looking for a sign you're thinking of me, but you always seem to have your attention turned the other way busy with floods and eruptions and then all that animal malarkey. How do you stand it? All of them touching you all the time. Look, They'd go crazy. And now, this new thing. Tiny little lights. Always on, somewhere. Yes, winking. Here and there, flirting with me. Is that you? Or the gross, hairy things always searching you and "'for who knows what? "'Are they looking for joy? "'Did they misplace their woe? "'Is their time elastic too? "'One day I thought Big Sassy was visiting. "'Kept seeing these bright splashes all on you. "'Some were darn big too. "'Then I saw that they were being dropped. "'Dropped from shiny toys. "'Who drops splashes?' I was worried. Worried they'd make you sick. Sick with lights. I wanted to help, but... I just keep drifting away. Well, the hairy ones came from you, I suppose. So, I suppose... I suppose if I love you, then I should love them too. It's just not easy, seeing the way they treat you. Children can be so ungrateful. Sometimes, sometimes it makes me cry. So, I see today they're paying me a visit. I will set out my best rocks and set my gravity low for their amusement. I want to make a good impression. But what are they here for? To be sure I'm real or something. I know sometimes that which is so beautiful can be thought only an illusion, a fantasy. But no, I'm definitely real. My heartache tells me so. (gasps) Oh! them! Your vulgar little monsters! Okay, okay, sorry. They just landed in their cute little boat. Seems like it took them forever. (laughs) I said it again. But time really is different out here. was only yesterday I held you close. Four and a half billion years ago now yes now your children they finally made it and with them my last hope one of them stepped on me
3: how can you stand
12: it oh i hope they realize i want them to take some of me back to you an offering And a wish, so I can stop waiting, and my forever can finally end.
10: That's one
12: small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.
5: Oh my god, have you planned what we're going to say when we land? Like, who's going first? What words of wisdom do we share?
1: Well, you know, I haven't really really thought of that. Huh. Maybe while this next piece is on we, we could practice saying saying some things together, maybe?
5: Cool idea. Mm. I am so gonna fall down those steps. First thing to touch the moon will be my face.
1: Yes. Yeah. I was thinking the same, but see my gravity force is heavier on my other retin, so there'd be a almighty boom as my ass hits the moon dust for the first time. Broadcast in all its audio glory. Does sound sound different on the moon? Well, um, we should listen to this wonderful poem by the also wonderful Cheyenne, and we
2: can ponder. Glow. Written and narrated by Cheyenne Bramwell. Yep, that's me. Glow. You hang there silent every night, Gleaming with heavenly light. I hope you're never very lonely, That stars are good company, And don't treat you too coldly. We met you before. I hope you didn't mind it, Us marring your dust with footprints, I know it's been years since we visited but we've never forgotten you. Our resources are just limited. If I could strap wings to my heels through the clouds I'd plow, and I'd be up there with you right now. But since gravity won't let me go, I'll have to stay here and silently marvel at your wondrous glow, love that.
1: Yeah, you have a, a wondrous glow to you too, Tanya. Are you trying to say I'm fat? Of course not. I mean, Why can't folks take compliments anymore? I feel like the the dusty moon in comparison to to life-giving sun next to you. Aww, Sarah, that's the nicest
5: thing you've ever <clears throat> said to me. Shall we just listen to the next moonologue, Moonface? Do it,
13: Glowface. You're earth Drunk. Her Many Faces An audio monologue written and performed by Danielle Ellett. She looks up at me with the same curious expression that we once all possessed, before the earth rotated too many times for our sense of wonder to stay stuck to us. The unseen centrifugal force, too much to keep the feeling of wonder close. Mama, the moon. I can see the moon, she says, pointing towards the proscenium of a cloudless blue sky. As the nighttime orb faintly peeks her head out around the curtain, despite the leading lady of the sun's current soliloquy. (laughs) Yes, you do, I reply. But why, she says, repeating what has become her youthful catchphrase. I am taken back to a time when I was the inquisitive child and my mother, oh, my library of never-ending knowledge. I smile and hear my mother's voice, my grandmother's voice, and hers before her echoed in the response. Long ago, When the earth was shaped and the sky dotted by stars, the goddess of creation gave birth to two perfectly equal sisters. One pale and one golden. The goddess told the sisters to live above the earth and be helpful to the people she had newly created there. And so they did. The moon and the sun took their turns in the sky, full and round and happy. Happy until the humans they were to watch over began to shower the Golden Sister with praise. They built pyramids in honor of the Golden Sister. They wrote songs of worship, thanking her and admiring her for all she gave them. The sun grew in stature while the moon diminished, shrinking in size with the lack of love from those she was sent to care for. Jealous of her sister, the moon began to change her face. Maybe if I wear a different face each night... The humans may come to love me. They still loved the sun more. Perhaps if I disappear completely, they will realize how much they miss me and will honor me as well. And so she hid herself away. Yet the humans only praised the sun more when the light of day returned after such a dark and treacherous night. In frustration, the pale sister decided to cross her sibling's path, eclipsing the sun with her own smaller form, hoping that the humans would love her more now. The humans fell to their knees in horror, begging the sun to come back and the moon to stay in her rightful sky. She retreated back to the night, vowing to run away and leave the earth completely. It was then, that the creatures of earth, those that treasured all she offered them, begged her not to go. The wolves howled songs of appreciation towards the moon in hopes of making her stay. The waves of the ocean pleaded with the moon, promising that they would do her bidding if only she remained. Pacified, The moon promised to stay with the earth so long as the creatures and the waves sung her praises and obeyed her commands. To this day, the promise has not been broken. But every now and then, the jealous sister still checks in on the humans. Looking down on them from a midday sky, hoping to hurry her sister along that she may reign over the skies once more. My daughter looks up at me as the wolf does to the moon, adoration in her eyes. I pray with my own heart that she will love me this much for always.
1: Wow, that one did it! Brilliant. We went super speedy. that <laughs> we landing. Now, how on earth did you program this thing to land? I was busy painting an amusing picture of a, a moonscape with surreptitious boobs on the other side of the hull when you were when you were finishing the wiring. So I didn't see. I
5: just made a button here and wrote land oh, on it. I thought it. that said
1: PUA seven.
5: You're reading upside down.
1: Oh. Oh yes, so that that makes sense because I thought, what what is a, a PUA seven? Well, you know, I've been completely disorientated to be honest, because you know we've been floating around since we got out of Earth's orbit. So, so how can Naboo sleep like that? Like, oh, no, there's not much um, gravity pull at all in here, is it Nope, most of my dirty moon just blobbed
5: across the instruments. Ah, uh, I think it's all okay. So hang on to something, Nabu. Lay down. I mean, lay in the air. There. Good boy.
1: Good We're actually landing. It's beautifully smoothly. It's not even a bump. Well, we couldn't find a good sound effect, so gets around that one. Well, I think that landing sobered us up. And uh, remember, kids, drink responsibly. Especially if you're driving a, a spaceship. What's this ship called? Um... Bowels of Hell. Penguin.
5: Penguin, a flightless bird.
1: I, I like penguins. Okay, the penguin has landed. Hooray! Hooray! Okay, well, we'll get the suits on and take a look outside while this next monologue stores fuel for takeoff. For yes. Ah, uh,
5: now this is one of my fave audio drama writers,
1: Faith. She writes boom. <sighs> So good. So good. And narrated by one of my fave voice actors. She's been on Diva podcast too. Did you listen to that episode? So good. Oh, hell yeah. yeah Made goofy. notes. Would catch the helmet? <sighs> See you on the other side, listeners. Phaedra
14: by Faith McQuinn. Narrated by Jordan Cobb of Giannis Descending and No Such Thing Productions. In the seventeenth century, Thomas Harriot looked through a telescope and saw the moon. In the twentieth century, Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon and made history. In 2020, I, Phaedra Ada Lee Harper, became the first woman to walk on the moon. But you know all of that. Here's something you don't know. I'm here. Back on the moon. This time for good. (laughs) Tommy. I know I told you it was a a year-long mission to help train the other astronauts here. Or... Lunar Nots, as they've started calling themselves. But I lied. I'm going to be a permanent resident on the Lunar Base, along with Amiko Ashiro, Lev Belenov, and Carter Gibbons. You know them all, and you know we'll take care of each other here. I'm sorry that I didn't tell you until I was here that I planned to stay. I knew you'd try to stop me because, well, you'd make up a reason, like, Mom, you're retired. Mom, what about your grandchildren? But the real reason would be you'll miss me. I'll miss you too, because you are my heart. That's also why I couldn't tell you, because I fear you would have convinced me to stay on Earth. But I need to be here. I need to do this. When I was a little girl, I sat in my room and stared up at the sky, at the bright white globe that called to me every night. I was happiest when it was full. I was sad when it was new. And now, I'm here. And I can see it every day. I can help our world build another so that we can not only travel to Mars, but live there as well. I love you, hon. Don't hate me. Talk soon, Mom.
5: Ah, <sighs> That was crazy. I wonder if she's still here. Who? Abra? Should we take a look? Doors open. Age before beauty.
1: Oh, thanks for that. No, no, I've got an idea. Let's just jump together, right? You remember, um, remember what we're gonna say once we once we land? Yep. Okay, on three. One, two. Oh wait, is down there already. I oh, he, he climbed down using my chin hairs. Gross.
5: Wait, he is the first thing on the moon. What's he going to say? Something profound, maybe. I hope.
3: Wow. It looks a bit boring.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, let's jump anyway. One, two, two three. three. Woo-hoo! Oh. Oh my oh, god. Get oh, get off. get off. Oh. <laughs>
3: oh my- Get your helmet oh, off oh, my face! Oh, oh, dear. I not
1: get oh, up! I oh, oh,
3: oh, oh, ah, t- oh, ah,
1: t- Yes, well, I think that went rather well, didn't you? And, um, look, I didn't spill a drop. <laughs> you? What on earth are you doing here? Hi there! We, come, we to come to the end moon. of the
4: first adventure to the moon. Yes, yes. the end. There yes. is currently. No more. Want more? Tell at quirky voices on Twitter or write to quirky voices at gmail.com. They love to hear from you. On another note, perhaps a C lo- No, no law. Lo- on a rocket ship fueled by words, is one charged Moonalog enough to get our two word loving voice actors back again? Or will Sarah and Tanya and the mystery person they fell on and friends be stuck with each other forever, uh, never to read a new, a new script, script again. Someone would probably support a Kickstarter to make that happen. But hey, join us again on another day to see what happens next on Moonalogs. Celebrating the fiftieth anniversary of the landings on the moon. And people, if you do go uh, out tonight, Take a moment to glance up, and if you can spot any movement on the moon, if you do, give him a wave, why don't you? Thank you to all the writers who submitted to this moonlog
1: fun.
3: Yes.
1: huge thanks to Quirky Voices Competition Writing Submission Window winners: Hayden Davis, Karen Hometown, Sarah Mateuson, Danielle Elliot, Jay Christian Elliot, Faith McQuinn, Emily C. Snyder, Maya Pierce, Fiona Thrale, Cheyenne Bramwell,
5: and of course all the narrators. Erica Sanderson, James Oliva, Angelique Lazarus, Madison Upton, Jordan Cobb, Fiona Thrale, Lucille Valentine, Kareem Cronfly, and Well, two intrepid explorers. The first identifying females in the moon. Amy. Oh, oh great. As a reminder,
4: do send your thoughts on this podcast, any inspired artwork. Or even more monologues to fuel their way back to Earth, to quirkyvoices at gmail.com. Thank you.
5: Yep, it's
1: lovely. Look though, Sarah. Look. I can't turn. I've got to air this bruised bum. Hang on, what are you doing? Like a cow. Come like, on, a, a cow. You, you hid a cow in the rocket ship. Yep. <laughs> Hold on. I was talking on. to at least no. one. Hour. Shut up, yeah. time. The... Ah, the dog's run away with my spoon. Come on, cow.
5: If you get a good run up, you can jump over Sarah.
3: Come on, girl. Sonia.
1: No! She purred. She burned. She burned. And
5: the cow
3: jumped over...
1: The moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. John F. Kennedy Thank you for spending time with Quirky Voices projects. Keep an eye out for what's next. Happy listening.